And now it's time for us to discuss more of these headlines in detail with Adam joining us on Zoom. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Lena. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. <laughs> <laughs> it was we made a, it through a week. Um, it's probably been hectic for you, right? A little bit. I mean, transitions for bit. any teams is difficult, right? Yeah. So we will acclimate soon enough. But for the time yeah. being, it felt like a really long, strenuous marathon. <laughs> 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 and now that I'm looking at the finish line, I'm, in hindsight, yeah. it's like, oh, not too bad. Not too bad at all. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. Well, that's good, to hear. that's good to hear. You'll get used to it soon enough, I I, uh, I'm sure of it. All right. Thank you very much, Aaron, for joining us. Uh, let's jump into keyword news. We're going to clarify some of these headlines for our listeners, starting with our COVID-19 coverage. This is our first pick of the day. Nearing peak. So we're starting with the latest on the pandemic in the country. New cases have dropped slightly after recording 600,000 cases. Uh, what's the latest? Yeah, so it is quite a bit of a, uh, a drop uh, because of that number uh, being very high. Now, that we'll get into why that number was so why, high in a right. minute. Um, there were nearly 400,000 new cases as of 9 p.m. Uh, yesterday, just under that figure. That's down by more than 15, uh, 150,000 rather from the same time the day before. Um, sorry, 15,000 from the same time the day before. Mm -mm. Uh, cases are expected to jump like this for the time being uh, because of this, of course, rapid antigen test being counted in the official figures. Uh, yes, more than 600,000 cases were reported yesterday, setting another record high. Um, the death toll uh, also more than doubled to another record high of 429 yesterday. Uh, the number of critically ill patients was down slightly, though, uh, compared to the day before. But it is one of those numbers that do tend to fluctuate. Mm. Um, now, there were some issues with yesterday's caseload. Health officials say a substantial number of cases that have been hidden or omitted were actually added into the daily count. So mm. excluding the omitted cases from the previous day, Thursday's count would have been around 550,000, mm. but that's still very high. Right. Um, and authorities did apologize for the mishap. But we should bear in mind that these official figures are usually considered undercounts anyway. Right. So um, even uh, the, the numbers we are seeing mm -hmm. is more likely, realistically, it's going to be much higher mm -hmm. uh, than that. Uh, now, the government has forecast or has been forecasting that the Omicron wave could reach its peak between this week and next week. Uh, and therefore, the government is looking to ease virus restrictions. And now, one of the most likely options for that is easing the current six-person cap on private gatherings to eight, mm. but keeping the 11 p.m. business curfew in place. Some mm. were speculating that it might be until midnight, so an extension of about an hour. Uh, but of course, we'll have to see what announcement is made today. Um, but since the pace of the Omicron wave is a lot faster and bigger as well than the government uh, expected, we'll have to see what the health authorities decide. All right, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, let's turn our attention to the country's political scene. This is our second keyword of the day. Transition team complete. So President Elegan Songyar's transition team is now complete. Could you run us through the appointments? 
Sure. Now, according to Yoon's spokesperson, the team members were chosen solely on merit and not by political affiliation or occupation. Uh, many of the new appointments have backgrounds in science, business and education, with mm. a lot of Seoul National University professors as part of the team as well. Mm. Uh, but there is a female scientist and a former lawmaker by the name of Shin Yong uh, Hyun, who was appointed as the team's team's spokesperson, not Yoon's spokesperson. Mm. Um, she served as chief campaign manager, actually, for uh, Ancho Su. Now, journalist-turned-politician Won Il-hee and lawyer Choi Ji-han also have been named as vice spokespeople uh, of the transition team. Uh, heads and members of three divisions of the presidential committee, including the second economy decision, the science, technology and education division, and the social welfare and culture division were mm. also announced. Korsan, who is uh, an astronaut and also CEO and co-founder of 18 Ventures, was chosen as a member of the second economy division. Mm. Um, Song Kyung-wan University School of Medicine professor Park Young-nan uh, was chosen as a member of the social welfare and culture uh, division. Nam Gite, who's a professor at the Department of Material Science and Engineering at SNU, uh, is also now a member of the Science, Technology and Education Division. Now, mm. the appointments of the three have drawn quite keen uh, attention from the public as Ancho Su had actually recommended them to Yoon. Mm. Of course, Ancho Su being um, a scientist and a doctor himself mm -hmm. uh, probably has that entourage uh, of recommendations. Now, the team is uh, scheduled to uh, kick into action today. So we'll have to see with that signboard ceremony happening um, this morning. And so we'll have to we'll uh, wait and see what other policies and movements they make from today. For the time being, the transition seems to be moving really swiftly along, which is exactly yeah. what it's designed to do. But I, I mean, given past records, I suppose this is alarming speed, isn't it? Um, there are some criticisms as for the appointments, um, but that political angle we'll talk yeah. about in a few days. Right. We'll have All to right. see what they come up with. All we? right. On to our third keyword of the day. Moving out. And moving in elsewhere. Uh, meanwhile, yeah. Yoon sung yeol has decided to relocate the presidential office to either the foreign ministry building or the defense ministry compound in central Seoul. There were mm -hmm. some criticisms, as we talked about yesterday, uh, potential yeah. traffic, safety, security issues, for example. What's the latest? Right. So it's pretty much in line with what we were expecting with the uh, reports that we were seeing up until this meeting of the transition team who were discussing and weighing the options of this decision. Uh, Yoon spokesperson says the members of the relevant subcommittees will visit the sites today actually for an inspection uh, at the moment. So they've just decided to move, uh, but they haven't really chosen a spot yet. So right. that is still up uh, for a decision. Uh, at the moment, local reports are leaning more towards the Defence Ministry compound since it's believed to be easier in terms of setup and uh, has the necessary security measures, as we mentioned, for the president. So like... Um, underground bunkers and uh, also helicopter pads and mm. whatnot. Um, transition team officials are also looking at the option of constructing a new presidential residence in Yongsan, should the presidential office actually move to the Defence Ministry compound. Mm. Uh, this is because, of course, as we mentioned yesterday, uh, if he travels, say, even a few kilometres every morning and evening in Seoul, the uh, early morning commute and the uh, evening uh, commute, it would create a massive 
massive being understatement traffic jam twice a day because of the um, presidential motorcades as well and uh, we all know what those are like for presidents uh, moving about <laughs> um, there was speculation about the prime minister's residence in yeah. samchongdong also being another option but uh, nothing uh, has been reported on that area mm. uh, now amid unstable security situations domestically and also abroad uh, say including north korea's missile launches and of course the war in ukraine as well to some degree um rushed preparations for yoon's move are kind of prompting concerns that the process will result in gaps in south korea's military readiness and just national security as a whole of course the presidential office being one of the uh high targets uh for uh, uh enemy forces mm. um critics are also pointing out that the enormous cost that will be involved in moving the top office as well this is taxpayers money at the end right. of the day so right. Of course, that that needs to be considered. Uh, but Yoon's team says it's more about the reason than the location, saying it's about getting closer to the people. Something that Yoon Sung Yeol has been touting and uh, pushing for during the campaign as well. Mm. But we should note uh, that Yoon Sung Yeol isn't the only person to make such pledges. Uh, mm. President Moon Jae-in actually yeah. during his campaign actually made a similar pledge to move the presidential office um, to get closer to the people. But uh, that was withdrawn due to logistical and security issues. So there's mm -hmm. all these decisions coming out from Yun Song Yeol, but we'll have to see if it actually comes to fruition. All right, and on to our fourth keyword of the day. Used car market. So Korea's used car market is about to get bigger as the government decides to allow these uh, conglomerates to advance into it. Does, I don't want to call it a monopoly just yet, but I mean, granted, if you think about the nature of the used car market, does this give a fighting chance to those small, medium enterprises? There's a whole lot to decipher here. What does it all imply? Right. That is the big question, isn't it? And of course, these small businesses aren't happy, but the government decided to not designate these secondhand vehicle sales as one of something that's known as livelihood businesses that must be basically reserved for small enterprises and startups. Now, the move comes despite opposition from small sellers. There's been a lot of backlash for them for quite some time now because this move uh, this move uh, was being considered for a bit of time. Mm. Uh, a committee under the SME's ministry has been reviewing the case since January. Hyundai and Kia are eyeing entry into the used car market, and they have been for some time. Last year, both firms actually registered for the relevant business licenses, but the government has been kind of putting a halt to that process amid the strong opposition and objection from the existing smaller players. But of course, now that is no longer the case. They have been given, given the green light to enter. Uh, the committee did acknowledge, though, that Hyundai and Kia's entry is expected to cause damage to small and medium-sized companies. So it called for appropriate measures without really elaborating on what they could be. Um, Hyundai and other car makers have been in talks with the government and current used car business operators over the matter as well, but mm. they haven't yet reached a consensus. Mm. Now, the used car market of business was first introduced in 2013 um, in the category from which large companies are banned. Mm. The designation actually expired in February 2019 and existing dealers requested a redesignation. Um, in November 2019, a review committee recommended uh, against reimposing the ban, but a final decision was delayed for more than two years, largely due to the pandemic. Um, but this is, we are talking about domestic brands. It's actually occurring in foreign brands, foreign car brands. Uh, for example, the big three German brands mm. are selling used car directly to customers 
Uh, so basically, from now we will be seeing the same thing, but with Hyundai and Kia and possibly mm. other domestic car uh, companies. In their defense, it seems that it's more about quality control and ensuring the safety of these used cars, right? For right. the time being, it's anyway. Yeah, so the whole idea behind it is basically a kind of peace of mind, a more yeah. trusted brand. Right. There's a lot of um, a lot of shady deals that happen in the used car markets. Of course, uh, this is uh, a very small percentage of these com- uh, small used car sellers, right. but there are they are they are notorious for uh, you know conducting scams and things like that. And of right. course, uh, the public have been a bit concerned about that. Right. So, and it's about yeah. addressing those concerns directly from the companies that make the cars. Right. Exactly. All right, um, Adam, are you moving around around a lot, or are you typing as you speak? We're hearing a lot of crackling uh, I'm sounds. Not. <laughs> I think it's my collar. I'll tuck my collar in. Excuse me. I apologize. There we go. <laughs> That's better. That's a new look. All right. And on that to... is a new look. I know it looks funny, but uh, bear with me, just for the audio's sake. <laughs> All right. On to our fifth keyword of the day. U.S. rate hike. Following the Fed's interest rate hike, markets in Asia have mostly reacted positively with stocks rebounding. How much of an impact will the rate hike have here in Korea? Well, the government, uh, anyway, believes it will have little impact. That is the expectation. Uh, First, Vice Finance Minister Yu Guan uh, cited Korea's economic fundamentals as one of the reasons why it will have little impact. But he did note that if Russia's default on its foreign debt is materialized, we cannot rule out the possibility that jitters about liquidity shortages uh, could occur globally. Mm. Um, So basically, that uh, Russian invasion on Ukraine is kind of a big variable in how much of an impact uh, these things will have on the global financial and economic markets. Now, the BOK shared a similar view as well. The deputy governor, Park Jong-sak, said the Fed's rate hike decision was within expectations uh, and its impact on international markets remains limited for the time being. He noted the importance of thoroughly monitoring monetary policies in key countries, though, uh, as well as progress in the Russian invasion of Ukraine, as well as global supply chain disruptions as well. Mm. He said these factors could have a direct impact on domestic financial markets growth and inflation, more so than the Fed's rate hike. Now, some analysts are urging the BOK to better cope with the Fed's tightening monetary policy in the long term. Uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell is kind of known for his hawkish stance, but his approach to bring the benchmark rate to about 1.9% by the end of the year is seen to be somewhat more of an aggressive stance than analysts had expected. Um, And therefore, the BOK is likely to be pressured to quickly raise its interest rates if inflation is exacerbated uh, in the country. Um, there are also concerns as the BOK governor Idrio's tenure ends at the end of this month. And mm-hmm. President Moon and the president-elect Yun sung yeol are yet to agree on his successor. That vacuum could actually pose risks of not implementing policies uh, in a prompt, mat- in a prompt matter, mm-hmm. uh, manner, rather, should issues arrive. Uh, the BOK is expected to make a decision on the base rate without a chief in its next monetary board meeting that's scheduled on April 14th. Some are saying we could see an interest rate hike about in May. Mm-hmm. Um, in relation to the stock market, analysts assess that the Fed's rate hike uh, removed uncertainties in relation to U.S. monetary policy and may prompt a market rally. And we've already been seeing a rebound as well. All right. And on to our last keyword of the day. 
Ukraine crisis. So turning to the latest in the Ukraine crisis, Western nations are condemning Russia of war crimes after a Russian airstrike on a designated shelter for hundreds of civilians were spotted in Mariupol. What's the latest? Right. So the 